A Petersburg resident won the fifth annual Tongass Tough Man Triathlon on Saturday, July 1st. The event drew 17 athletes out to swim across Zimovia Strait, then pedal and run across Wrangell. Two solo participants and five three-person teams raced across a little over 72 miles of icy water and rugged terrain. Matthew Thompson won the triathlon, which he completed solo. He wrapped up the race in about nine hours. Thompson said he spent most of that time in his own head, in silence, not even listening to music. Uh, I guess thoughts are going through my head, but just kind of out there chugging away. Yeah, I, I don't know. It goes by quicker than it seems, the nine hours. Uh, and I felt pretty good. wasn't in a ton of pain for most of the race. So, Instead, Thompson was paying attention to his natural surroundings as he made his way over Wrangell's hills and through its forests. I think that I saw mm, my birding knowledge is not expert, but it might have been a western tanager on the run, which is a bird I hadn't seen before, but I looked it up after the race. I don't know. I, I was pretty tired at that point, so maybe I was seeing things. Thompson moved to Petersburg two and a half years ago, where he now works for the International Pacific Halibut Commission. He's enjoyed running since childhood, but Petersburg is where he really dug into triathlons. The triathlon club that started in town here last year kind of got me into the triathlons. So yeah, I've been training this spring with a friend out on Sandy Beach. We've been doing swims in wetsuits in the open water and got a couple long bike rides in. The Tongass Tough Man is a half Iron Man, but Thompson is set on doing the whole thing someday, all 140-odd miles of it. Last year, Thompson signed up for Iron Man Alaska in Juneau, and then it got canceled over logistical problems and economic concerns. But he says this year's Tough Man was more than enough for him. His next steps and strokes are oriented towards doing an Ironman in Penticton, British Columbia, sometime in the next year. He thanks the Tough Man organizers for putting the race together and recommends anyone who's even mildly interested in triathlons to train for the race. In more racing news, over in Seward, more than 800 runners tackled rain and treacherous trail on Independence Day in the grueling Mount Marathon race. David Norris, originally from Fairbanks, took first place in the men's race with a time of 44 minutes and 51 seconds. He says it was one of the toughest races he's ever run. It's probably the gnarliest I've ever seen. Just like super muddy down in the woods. And then even up top where it's usually just like dry rock, even that had like a little mud mixed in. This year marked the 95th running of the race that sends runners up and back down the towering Mount Marathon on the 4th of July. Norris now lives in Colorado and has run the Mount Marathon race four times. He's also won all four times. He set the record of 41 minutes and 26 seconds in 2016. In the women's race, Christy Marvin of Palmer came out on top with a time of 52 minutes and 52 seconds. This is my 10th year, and it was my goal to make it in the top three all 10 years in a row. And I did it today with a third win, so I'm super stoked. She pulled off a close first place just 15 seconds ahead of runner-up Meg Inokuma of Palmer. 
Marvin says the rain made the race especially tough this year. It slowed down all of the runners who had to be careful not to slip. The course was so muddy that competitors had to hose themselves off at the finish line. The conditions were an absolute nightmare and a huge mess and I was really nervous both for my boys this morning and then for myself this afternoon. Marvin wasn't the only one in her family to win a first place win to with a first place win on Tuesday. Her 16-year-old son Kobe won the Mount Marathon boys race and her 15-year-old and 15-year-old Tanya Boonstra of Kenai won the girls race. A small plane crashed near the village of Old Harbor on the southeast side of Kodiak Island on Sunday afternoon. As Brian Venois reports, the Piper Cherokee crashed just six minutes and 12 miles into its flight. Five people were aboard the Piper Cherokee when it went down about three miles north of Old Harbor on Sunday, according to the Coast Guard. The crash was reported around 3.30 p.m. Two people are reported to be dead. Three survivors were found at the crash site. One person was in critical condition and taken by helicopter to Providence Kodiak Island Medical Center. Two others were injured but in stable condition. Clint Johnson is the Alaska Region Chief for the National Transportation Safety Board, which is leading the investigation into the crash. Preliminary information would indicate that they were on their way back from a lodge in Old Harbor, uh, back to uh, Kodiak. Uh, As far as the purpose of the flight, we don't know uh, exactly what it was. We assume it was probably returning to Kodiak. The plane was operated by Kodiak-based Vertigo Air Taxi. The company declined to comment on Monday. Johnson says it's too early to speculate the cause of the crash. That's a process of elimination. Nothing has been eliminated at this point right now. NTSB meteorologists are already looking into weather patterns in the area at the time of the crash. Johnson says they will also question survivors and the pilot as part of the investigation. Preliminary reports will be published on the board's website in the next two weeks. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Benoit. An Alaska is preparing to start monitoring for European green crab. That's after the invasive species was first found in Alaska last July. Hope McKenney has more. Biologists with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game say the monitoring program is crucial in the nation's largest fishing port and are preparing to deploy traps later this summer. We don't have any reason to believe that European green crab are here or established in the region, but we're also not currently doing any monitoring. Ethan Nichols is the assistant area manager for shellfish with Fish and Game in Dutch Harbor. With European green crab steadily moving up the west coast, um, you know, through British Columbia um, and into southern southeast Alaska as of last year, um, I think it's important that we start monitoring here in the port of Dutch Harbor, specifically just given the amount of international ship traffic that we have. Um, So lots of cargo and fishing boats transiting from the west coast of the United States as well as international traffic going to Asia and back and forth. In much of the state, scientists have been looking for the crabs for years. In communities around Kachemak Bay and Prince William Sound, they've been setting traps for about two decades. Tammy Davis is the Invasive Species Program Coordinator with Fish and Game in Juneau. She says European green crab, which are native to coastal Europe and North Africa, are so concerning because although they're small, they're incredibly aggressive. They reduce eelgrass and populations of clams, oysters, mollusks, and other invertebrates that live on or in the seafloor. 
They can also prey on juvenile native crabs like Dungeness, something that could impact Aleutian Island fisheries down the line if their habitats overlap. Green crab are considered, you know, one of the top 100 invasive species globally. Like anywhere else, Davis says, they would have impacts on the nearshore environment. And organisms that rely on that intertidal and subtidal habitat would be at risk. They behave differently in different environments. You know, there's, of course, some sort of general parameters of temperature triggers for reproduction and tolerance for temperatures and so forth. But they're very hardy organisms, these crabs. And so we don't know what the potential impacts are in an environment like Dutch Harbor at this point. Davis says biologists are concerned that green crab could be introduced into Dutch Harbor through ballast water discharge or by currents carrying larvae out the Aleutian chain. She says they hope to identify coastal areas with high-value commercial, recreational, and subsistence harvests and use intensive trapping as a way to monitor and control green crab populations as they start to spread across the state. She says setting traps also helps them understand what species use these areas and are at risk of green crab predation. Whatever ends up in our traps also uses this part of the near shore. Those are the species that are at risk from green crab. Davis says although it's not likely they'll be able to get rid of green crab if they establish themselves in the Aleutians, early detection is crucial. So you're keeping the population of green crab low enough that the negative impact they have on the native species and the native habitat is not greater than the native species can can handle. Fish and Game plans to launch the monitoring program in the Port of Dutch Harbor this summer. Five traps are on their way to the island now. If you find what you think might be a European green crab, call Fish and Game's Invasive Species Hotline at 1-877-INVASIVE or visit their website. Reporting in on Alaska, I'm Hope McKenney. Stones, hammers, and tree trunks hurled through the air in Homer last weekend at the annual Kachemek Bay Highland Games, a chance for athletes from Alaska and beyond to show off their strength alongside Celtic musicians and local vendors. Sabine Pooks visited the Games on Saturday and has this story. Come on, guys, field record here. Wearing a kilt speckled with ironed-on patches, Anchorage athlete Rob Moody picks up a large burlap cube using a pitchfork and faces a tall gate. Travis Ogden of Homer watches on. So that's a burlap bag with hay and sometimes chain in it to make it heavy enough. And it's 16 pounds, and I think he's throwing it 33 feet, but I'm not sure. So this is, if he makes this, it's a field record. Moody throws the bag, known as a sheaf, and narrowly misses the mark, getting the height right but not quite nailing the placement. Still, it's higher than anyone's thrown a sheaf today, which makes Moody the winner in his age category. Ogden and the other athletes hoot and holler for their team. I think when, when this starts at the beginning of the event, none of us know each other's names, and probably two events in, we all know each other's names, and everybody cheers each other on. It's kind of nice. The Sheaf Toss is one of the events in the annual Ketchumac Bay Highland Games, a celebration of Scottish culture and great feats of strength. 
There are games every year in Palmer and in Homer where Renee Krause has been coordinating for 12 years. Um, we're really busy this year. <laughs> um, there seems to be a lot more people uh, coming through and a lot more people from out of the area, too. Krause attended Highland Games as a kid in Florida and today clerks Homer's Parks Commission, which is where the local games started in 2011. This year's event is in memory of her daughter, Rhiannon Winstead, who did the artwork for the organization and passed away fighting a battle with cancer last year. Today, the games in Homer bring up judges from Idaho and athletes from around the country. Uh, we've got two athletes on the field that uh, are from California. We had a runner for the Kilted 5K that was from Australia. Krause says sometimes they'll get tourists who are vacationing in Homer and decide to sign up. The games also draw a wide range of spectators, like Kim Keck of Soldatna. He's watching from beneath a shady tree as athletes toss sheafs and cabers, or large tree trunks. And like many others, he's taken the chance to dress the theme, a combination of traditional Scottish and medieval garb. Um, I have what's called a modern kilt. Uh, this is the tartan of Clan McNeil. Uh, my grandmother was a McNeil and uh, from the Isle of Barra. Keck wears a purse around his waist and a dagger in his kilt band. On his feet are knee-high leather boots he bought at a Renaissance festival in his home state of Maryland. Uh, it's a great chance to get outside, enjoy the beautiful weather, and have fun, and have some food, and listen to some music, and dress up in costume. The Scottish Games have taken Anchorage's Rob Moody around the continent. He's the athlete who was trying to beat the sheep toss record at the top. I actually grew up down the street from where the big one used to be in Eagle River. So it started about the time I was born in the early 80s and uh, kind of watched it as I was growing up new. One day I'm going to do this. I really want to do it. He says uh, it's easier on the body than other sports like powerlifting. And he says it's a lot of fun. You finally find something that you're good at. You know what I mean? Uh, I just took to it like a duck to water, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Anchorage athlete Shahela Walsh is watching the heavyweight toss a few yards away. She's been coming to the games for three years. Her nickname is Giggles. Um, it was my yes year, and my boss asked me if I wanted to do this, and I said yes. And then I said, what is it? <laughs> she said, I'll tell you after I sign, after you sign up. And so I did, and then I found out. <laughs> and I've been doing it ever since. It's super fun. Gabriella Reinhardt of Anchorage started throwing in 2021. So I used to do track and field in high school and college. Then I found out about the Highland Games. And so it was a, it was a lot of pressure, but I got through it. And now I love it. And so I tell anybody who can, do the Highland Games. To those who are thinking about getting involved next year, she says, just do it. We have a beautiful community. Like me, you know, African-American, I'm not Scottish. And I was welcomed immediately. So just, just open your mouth and say, hey, I want to try this. I want to do this. And we'll welcome you in. And who knows? You might take to it like a duck to water, too. In Homer... I'm Sabine Pooks. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.